The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Other Wrestling Show, coming to you with bonus content, a live markout after all Elite Wrestling full gear. Uh, I'm here with Mike. I'm Joel. We're going to talk through all the matches, starting with the buy-in. And uh, that gave us a really great match between Serena Deeb and a debuting Allison Kay uh, for the NWA Women's Championship. Allison Kay, a former champion. Serena Deeb, the current champion. And uh, Serena Deeb got the victory via her Serenity Lock submission hold. I, I thought this was a really good match. Uh, Mike, what stood out to you from this one? Yeah, it it was exactly what we wanted it to be. A, a good showcase for the champion and to give us uh, kind of a look at what um, Allison Kay would, what, what she could do. Um, so I think it accomplished that. I think Serena Deeb looked like a very competent and talented champion and i thought allison key looked k looked like someone aw should be signing <laughs> i saw you retweeted the sign um allison k and i i agree with that if she's a free agent and if this is more than just the nwa partnership then sign me up get her in the company i think she has something yeah like they mentioned on the broadcast she is officially unsigned at the moment uh she just ended her arrangement with nwa so uh, i think there's a lot of things that are in flux right now Uh, but i thought this was a really good technical match there was a lot of uh chain wrestling a lot of good submission work and transitioning from spot to spot very seamlessly and uh i hadn't watched um allison k in a while uh, I remember watching her previously in uh, you know multiple different promotions and most recently on NWA Power, and I had forgotten just how good she is. And uh, it, it's the character work in the ring. Like I feel like even if you hadn't seen her before, if you were paying attention to this match, you got a good idea of who she is and what she brings to the table not only from a work perspective, but also from a character perspective. So I do hope that they bring her in because she'd be a great addition to this women's roster. Yeah, agreed. And Joel, I I think the most significant part of this match happened afterwards. Thunder Rosa. Let's slow down those rumors of WWE or NXT. She was on full gear tonight. What? Did you mark out? I I I just thought she was long gone, and you know, that, she was no longer going to be a part of AEW in any way, shape, or form. When her music hit, I was so excited and surprised, and especially given that it was on the buy-in, you know, I would have expected that this match would have been on the main card, given that you know this appearance was going to happen. But I do think it's significant that she's appearing on. Um, on AEW programming again. And, you know, there's just reports out, I think today that she and jazz are starting a women's wrestling school and she's got her own promotion mission pro wrestling that she is running and booking for. So I think it makes sense for her to stay 
on the more indie friendly side of things, because if she were to go to WWE, especially given how much they've been locking down their talent lately, you'd have to figure that she would have to give up that promotion and wouldn't necessarily be able to start this wrestling school, which is an endeavor that clearly she cares about. So, uh, so I think maybe that change, uh, points to, you know, good fortune for, for AEW, or even if she just stays with NWA and, and continues to uh, kind of move between companies at will, she's kind of in a, a special place as a performer right now. And I can't think of another wrestler who's in the same mode right now. It reminds me of Cody when he first left WWE and was just kind of out there doing his own thing. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool, and it was nice to see her again on AEW programming. Yeah, excited excited if she is back, and that's a, just a major shot in the arm of the women's division if that is the case. So, Joel, you want to move on to the uh, the main card here? Yeah, the main card kicked off with a banger. We got the finals of the AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament between Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Um, Mike, what are your thoughts on this match? Oh, man. Um, I think one of the best singles matches and stories in AEW history. I don't feel like that's exaggeration. Um, just just incredible stuff here. They, they know each other so well. They did a really good job of emphasizing the counters and getting in and out of each other's moves that they know each other so well and kind of you know, hot shot dickhead Kenny really reared his head in this and is exactly what we wanted to see. I thought the the spots here were incredible. And we had Don Callis on commentary, Joel, your guy, your dude. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, the Don Callis effect was in full force. And I actually, <laughs> as soon as this match was over, I went online and set up an Impact Plus account because it worked <laughs> you know I, I just i need more of that wrestling mind in my life and uh you know it's it it's amazing just how much he adds to the broadcast so i i really enjoyed having him on commentary here i wouldn't mind as you suggested um in our text conversation during the show if he became kenny omega's personal announcer and, you know, just popped in for all of Kenny's matches. That would be super sweet. I doubt that that'll be possible given, you know, his commitments what, at Impact. But one of my uh, best ideas ever. Am I right? Like, <laughs> I'm putting myself over for that one. That was that was wonderful. But no, dude, you're you're absolutely correct. He is such a talent. Um, you know, I, I think you've mentioned before that he's one of the reasons you really got hooked on NJPW. Just what yeah, he brings to the commentary table. And, you know, in a greater, you know, business sense, I love that AEW is willing to work with other indie promotions. Let them be on their air airwaves. Like, it's it's just good for everyone right now. We've seen the positive effects of AEW and NWA working together. I would love to see what an AEW, AEW, AEW impact relationship could look like. Yeah, but, I mean, a talent exchange could do so much, especially for the women's division, because that's really yeah. where impact has shined. 
um, in recent years. And uh, I, I think that would be beneficial to both parties. But let's talk about the match itself. I think that the story that they told was great. And I was kind of looking for when the match was going to transition from exchanging strikes. And that was most of the match. Most of the match wasn't any throws or holds. It was, you know, very punchy, choppy, kicky affair uh, right up until the end when we got that sequence of big moves, starting with that powerbomb on the uh, entrance (laughs) ramp, which just looked awful. And then, you know, another devastating powerbomb in the middle of the ring and, you know, things weren't looking so good for Kenny. And I just like the way they told this story with, like you said, these two know each other so well. They know each other's moves and how to get out of them. Uh, I love a wrestling match with a bunch of near misses when it comes to these big signature moves and spots. And then, of course, you know, towards the end, it devolved into a bajillion V triggers and, you know, lots of big clotheslines and ultimately a one winged angel for the pinfall. Um, which is the only way this match should have ended. So I think they told a great story in the ring. I think both guys come out of this looking great. And, you know, we are set up for the Kenny Omega, John Moxley showdown that we wanted. So uh, anything else on this one? I, I think I, 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 I've been predicting since basically summer that it was either going to be Omega or Paige who would take that belt off of Moxley. I'm throwing another prediction out here. Main event, all out 2021, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Call my shot now. I think if this is where we're going. If that's where we land, I'm I'm good with it. I think that match could happen at double or nothing, um, given the timeline from February to May. Um, I think we can make that happen, but I would be totally good with that happening at all out given that that's kind of the signature biggest show of the year or is kind of supposed to be. But honestly, I felt like full gear tonight outstripped what all out was. I felt like it it delivered bigger uh, just as an overall show. Uh, But we'll talk about the rest of the matches and and the rest of what stood out. Um, But yeah, this, this feud was great long-term story. And I feel like we came to a satisfying close for now. For now. Yep. All right, let's move on to (laughs) the match I wasn't necessarily super excited about, and I thought it wasn't a coincidence that it coincided with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris walking onto the stage. These two matches, literally, they were walking on the stage at the same time. But Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, this match had no business being this entertaining, and it was super fun. That's pretty much what I can take from it. John Silver is a an amazing worker. He, him and Cassidy could just fly around the ring. I don't know what John Silver's ceiling is in terms of a performer, but I think AEW has a very solid, useful performer who can go in the ring and can kind of make you laugh out of it. So, um, glad Cassidy got the win. He didn't need to take an L to John Silver, but good for John Silver, man. Take your opportunity, run with it. It was fun. Yeah, I think this is my favorite flavor of Orange Cassidy when he's you know, being super casual and fully engaging in sloth style for, for large portions of the match. And I was glad that we got that because I was afraid that, you know, with the the acclaim that he has garnered 
that he was going to move away from that a little bit and lean more into the incredibly talented wrestler that we've seen him become. Um, thankfully, he's still, you know, sticking with what brought him to the show. And that's the hijinks and the antics. And I, I loved John Silver ripping out his pockets uh, so that he couldn't <laughs> put his hands in his pockets anymore. Uh, I thought that was a really clever way to incorporate their, you know, gimmicks and, and kind of craziness together. I thought they had really, really good ring chemistry. I was very impressed with how quickly they moved from spot to spot and how clean everything looked in this match. I wasn't expecting much from this one just because it kind of felt thrown together, but it really over-delivered and was a good way to transition out of the high drama that was Kenny Omega and Adam Page and kind of bring us back down to earth so that we could get back into the rest of the card. Yeah, it, it, this I, I feel this match was only on the card to make sure that Orange Cassidy was on the card. So I hope that come revolution that he has maybe something a little more substantial um, to sink his teeth into. And uh, yeah, but other than that, you know, it was fun. It, it was kind of, yeah, like you said, it was a good come down from that intense opening match and it served its purpose. Anything else, Joel, before we uh, move on? No, we can, we can move on. I don't think there's anything else to say on that one. Next up was the first of our title matches on the main card which was Darby Allen challenging Cody Rhodes, no longer Cody, Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship. And uh, just in time, he gets his name back, but he loses his title. Darby Allen gets the win and new TNT champion, the strange enigma, Darby Allen. How do we feel about that nickname, by the way? What'd you say? The strange enigma? Yeah, that's what JR calls him. Is that what he called him? Isn't an enigma already kind of mysterious and strange? I guess yeah. it's more mysterious. It made I don't more know. sense back when he was calling Jeff Hardy the charismatic enigma. Because, yeah. you know, that those two words don't mean the same thing. So I don't I don't love it, but it also know. kind of stuck in my head now. So Yeah. It, it, I don't know. Darby just say crazy fucking crazy enigma. It's whatever. It's Darby Allen, like He's fine. Um, Somehow but, uh, I don't think crazy fucking crazy Enigma is going to catch on, but you know, go for it. CFCDA, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Joel, you know, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this match because I want to make sure that you continue to count the results of our pick contest because every match should count. And this was the first divergence in our picks tonight. And I called Darby Allen winning the title and boy, did it feel good. And boy, does he look right with that belt. And this match lived up to what we thought it would be. I love the chemistry between these two men. They're so damn good together. I, I could see them wrestle every, every, every other month. And I, I don't think I'd be, be too upset, but um, I think the big thing here is that the time was right. I felt, you know, Cody, you know, he's, done great things with the TNT championship. It's been a really awesome run between his two title defenses, uh, two title reigns, but just kind of felt like there was it's something needed to change. And by putting the belt on Darby allows him to kind of reign over this upper mid card that is chasing this title. And I'm just super stoked for the guy. He he's incredible. This is 
a great opportunity. We we've talked about him being one of the core like future uh franchise players for AEW. Future is now, man. Future is now. Yeah, I thought this was a really great match, and I always forget the degree to which Darby moves like a video game. Like it just it doesn't look like it should be possible given the laws of physics. And he just is so fast and so sudden in transitioning from from spot to spot and was just very, very impressed. Uh, I also forgot how much Darby always gets wrecked in pay-per-view matches. (laughs) He just spent so much of this match getting demolished and, you know, putting his body through so much punishment. And then, of course, you know, comes out on top, gets the win. But I I like that we got the continuation of Cody kind of being cocky and overconfident and Arn getting frustrated with him. And it finally caught up to him. You know, the last time Cody dropped the title, it wasn't because he was overconfident. It was because he got the absolute shit kicked out of him (laughs) by Brody Lee. And, And this time... We kind of got to see the culmination of the cocky, overconfident Cody coming back to bite him. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about that throughout his uh, entirety of the TNT Open Challenge, just kind of the um, sloppiness he got at times between either the confidence or the exhaustion. And um, yeah, it come back. It came back to bit him. And Joel, I, I have I have a nominee for spot of the night that super duper crossroads off the top turnbuckle holy hell (laughs) which was just made to look even more devastating by the fact that darby rolled all the way across the ring after taking it and you know rolled quickly it looked like he was flung across the ring by the impact of of that i thought that was a really good spot but man i mean I've got some spots that we'll talk about from the tag team match. I've got some spots that we'll talk about from Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. This card, I mean, it's near to impossible to pick a spot of the night, Um, but this is definitely a worthy nominee. Yeah, it it was incredible. And um, yeah, and and let's briefly talk about the the post-match attack from Team Taz. They talked about how they wanted to make an impact on this show without being on it. And man, if this leads to Darby Allen, absolute Ricky Starks for uh, for that belt, and then God, Brian Cage, Cody. Oh man, I like I like I like the possibilities here, and if it also gives us a little Cody, Darby Allen alliance for the time being, then fuck yeah, let's go. Should be fun. What are your thoughts of that? I mean, I'm I'm pro anything Team Taz. <laughs> I, I think they've kind of become one of the more underutilized stables in the company and uh, Taz is so tremendous on the mic and both Ricky and Brian are exceptional in the ring and and the range of what they're capable of doing so I'm ready for them to become bigger players on regular weekly television Um, AEW Starks has been great every Tuesday night uh, but I'm ready for for Ricky Starks to take his proper place on Dynamite and be that feature player that he is destined to be. Ditto. All right, you ready to move uh, on? So, 
yeah, next up was the women's championship match. Uh, Hikaru Shida defending her title successfully against Nyla Rose. And uh, this was when we had both picked Nyla to win this match and, you know, really thought that it was time for the, the belt to change in the women's division. And uh, I, I don't know where we go from here. Um, I thought it was a really, really good match. And I loved the character work from both of them. Uh, first, Nyla pulling Sheeta's head up off the mat instead of taking a three count. And then later on in the match, Sheeta doing the same thing and then finding the camera and giving an evil grin uh, that was a side of Sheeta that we haven't really seen before. So I really liked that development. And I thought this match was hard hitting and had some really, really impressive spots. The Avalanche uh, Falcon Arrow comes to mind. Yep. But just incredible. a really, really good match. Yeah, and shout out to Nyla Rose for rocking some Mega Man gear. That shit was awesome. As soon as she came out, I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I picked Nyla Rose to win this. But um, yeah, I, I, there's not really much else to say about the match. It, it was, it's what we, what we, I know these two women can do. And the the when Sheeta pulled up Nyla's uh, head, it kind of reminded me when like Brock Lesnar and Undertaker were kind of laughing at each other in the ring. When they were sitting down, like just this kind of weird, random, fun moment, and it was it was good. And I agree. I don't. Who's left? I mean, I, mean, I guess Britt Baker, right? Britt I mean, Baker. That she's and, beaten Statlander when she gets healthy. It could but, be. I mean, it's 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 difficult to say. I mean, I think Anna Jay is someone who's been built up pretty well within the Dark Order, and you know, given a little bit more. Um, feature time and, and featured matches on Dynamite could be positioned as someone with the backing of the Dark Order who could present a legitimate threat, um, especially if uh, Ty Conti ends up joining the Dark Order as well. Uh, that would make her, you know, even more threatening to have that kind of hench person. Uh, so there's a possibility there, but I think Britt Baker is the natural next person in line. Yeah, and, and this is kind of the moment where I wish they weren't having Serena Deeb walking around with that NWA championship because it just, I think it just automatically kind of dilutes what we already have. Um, so, but, you know, hopefully Serena and Thunder Rosa can kind of build up and kind of get, get some status here. And if Thunder Rosa is going to be a full-time member, then they could always revisit that with Sheeta. But yeah, just a little, little concerned, um, you know, and, I just, I want them to feature them more, but when they don't feature them, it's hard to get credible, you know, challengers up. But I think that's, I think that's the biggest question for me coming out of this pay-per-view is where does the women's divisions go? I'm glad Sheeta and Nyla Rose had a great match. I just don't know what the plan is. But. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to find out in the coming weeks um, as we kind of move towards the next big pay-per-view, which will be, in February. So um, next up on this card is the tag team championship match. The Young Bucks going over FTR in what I think was my favorite match of the night. This was tag team wrestling at its best. Great storytelling and a very dramatic finish uh, with Matt Jackson with his injured ankle, his boot having been ripped off, giving a barefoot super kick to Cash Wheeler <laughs> uh, to get the one, two, three pinfall after Cash Wheeler abandoned 
the mantra of no flips, just fists, and went for a 450 splash off a springboard and came up empty. Yeah, uh, this I think this definitely lived up to the hype here, man. These two teams we know can work, and I don't think the stipulation kind of—I don't think the stipulation took away from the match. I kind of forgot about the stipulation um, because the match was so good, and not once did I ever think I like. I, there were times where I thought, "Oh no, FTR is going to win this," and then it kind of was like, "Oh fuck!" Like so. Um, yeah, I, I think my favorite spot from this match was that like rebound power bomb on the off the rope. I just mm-hmm. loved how smooth that looked. Um, I liked some of the like attention to detail things, like when Dax was in the sharpshooter holding onto the rope. He he was using the hand that he bloodied up earlier in the match, and Nick super kicked it to break the rope break. Like mm-hmm. just just the. <laughs> just to have the thought to do that when like that spot really only works that well. If you know that if the hands cut. Yeah. Well, the 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 number of times, the number of times in this match that either Dax or Matt were using their injured body part and then selling it really hard. And and Dax, especially with the hand just Mm -hmm. really blew me away because I, I hadn't seen that from him before not that he's not capable um he's an excellent excellent performer but matt we're used to seeing matt selling the crap out of an injury i mean (laughs) he spent over a year with a fake back injury that had the entire wrestling community worked everybody thought he was actually hurt and uh you know that went on forever so i think we're accustomed to that more with matt than we are with with dax so it was really cool to see that but my mvp of the match was cash wheeler my goodness, yeah. was he flying around the ring at all times. Yeah. And uh, you nominated a spot for a spot of the night. I'm going to nominate a spot from this match, uh, which was the absolutely berserk spear out of the ring uh, from Cash Wheeler. I thought like everyone was going to die in that <laughs> spot because he just looked <laughs> so out of control. And then he nailed it and landed safely on the outside. And it was so clean and so perfectly timed and so perfectly executed, just flawless. And and this match yeah. was full of spots like that for Cash Wheeler. He looked amazing. Oh, yeah. in match. Oh, when he broke up one of the pins where he literally like threw himself from like only a third, like he was like, he was like almost on the opposite side of the ring when he like jumped to break up that pin. Yeah. I heard Michael Cole in my head just yelling from out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, Randy Orton gimmick infringement there. It it, it was incredible. I really, I, if I don't, you know, we don't do ratings in this match, but I thought in terms of like execution, storytelling, this, this was almost a perfect match. I I don't have any complaints. I have, I have one complaint about, the build to this match. And it was weird that the bucks have kind of been dickheads for the last month. And they kind of came off as like perfect baby faces in this, in a way. Um, but doesn't really matter because the match was so good. The storytelling was so compelling. And I hope this can't be the end of this story, the end of this feud. And we're going to see FTR young bucks a few more times before it's all said and done. 
I agree. I agree. This this pay-per-view felt like it, it did the thing that we always want, which is it provided closure for now. You know, I, I think the, the common refrain is, well, what about Wednesday, right? And so a lot of times the payoff on the pay-per-view gets sacrificed in order to set up what's going to happen next on your weekly TV show. And what I liked about this is we got a little bit of that, but nothing that took away from the moments that we were participating in on this show. So it did feel like we got closure, even though for some of these, we can see the path forward and where we're going to go next and who's next in line. Uh, But the moment still got the space to happen and be felt and be appreciated. And, you know, we got the celebration in the ring afterwards with Kenny coming out and then hangman kind of hanging back and wanting to be part of it, but not fully engaging and uh, just really good stuff with closing off the story that was happening while also providing those pieces and seeds for what the next story is going to be down the line. Yeah. And I I think AEW's done a pretty good job with that going back to last year. You know, we had that amazing Moxley Omega match at full gear last year. They haven't really, they haven't crossed paths since we've had, we had the Cody MJF match at revolution. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Revolution. Um, So intense, so personal, so insane. We haven't really come back to that, minus a few jabs back and forth. Um, so I think they do a really good job of building this kind of universe and then knowing, okay, in six, seven, eight months when we want to revisit this, we we have something to build off of. and We're not building it from scratch. Like, remember yeah. when WWE hired a continuity specialist? <laughs> like, AW is so damn good knowing their history and knowing what has happened. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like comic books, you know, like if a villain gets defeated, they might not be in the next several issues, but they can always come back and pick up where they left off with our valiant heroes. And uh, I I agree, we have a really rich world that these characters are participating in, and it provides them with a lot of avenues for for moving forward. Yeah, anything else about the tag team championship match, which I correctly picked? <laughs> yes yes you smoked me in the picks once again uh, <laughs> three in a row baby going for the year sweep in february like i'll take quality over quantity and my win was a perfect score so oh no 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 <laughs> that does not count <laughs> <laughs> now i'm going i'm going full shea serrano on this one and i'm going to oh, devalue God. your wins and elevate mine play my music uh <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's move on. All right. So this uh, the the most bonkers match of the night, the elite deletion featuring everybody. My goodness. Uh, So obviously Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara were the actual legal competitors in the match. But we got appearances from Santana and Ortiz, Private Party, Gangrel. (laughs) Yes, Gangrel and the Hurricane. This match was insane. I mean, I don't even know where to start. We They, they shot fireworks at each other. Uh, they uh, got all muddy in Matt Hardy's backyard. Uh, Matt got his face shoved in a fountain. Uh, 
there was some drone action going on. They were smashing each other into pine trees. I mean, what what would you have wanted to happen in this match that didn't happen? We got we got Shane Helms portraying multiple characters in the same yep. match and switching back yep. and forth. Uh, I mean, there was just so much going on here. Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of, at one point, I was like, okay, this is pretty sweet. And then when Gangrel showed up, my mind just broke. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm like, you know what the sad part is, Joel? I guarantee that a lot of the younger AEW fans that that demo they really target those 18 to 25 year olds probably didn't know who the fuck Gangrel was. But the fact that our stupid wrestling brains of me like went, huh, Gangrel, what's up, dude? Part of the brood had Matt Hardy in his stable at one point. Like we're fucking losers is the point I'm trying to make. Um, but yeah, man, this was, this was fun. This was outrageous. Um, I'm, you know, I'm always down to see the hurricane. And I, what I really liked about this, was the inclusion of Santana Ortiz and Private Party. Um, you know, they got to be on the show and get some shine and get some moments. And it just continues this kind of hearty party uh, group. And um, yeah, I, I think the most brutal spot in this match was when Sammy was choking Matt out with the ring rope. Yeah, and like that was Those disturbing. are really thick cables. And not being in the arena and it's different when you're in the arena with no fans versus like in a freaking shed (laughs) and it it was just eerie i actually thought it could have been weirder and played more into like the crazy broken matt hardy thing but i it was it was great i don't know if it's my favorite matt hardy cinematic match but it's definitely it was definitely fun I really loved the creepy music as soon as they were locked in the dome of deletion. Uh, I thought that was a really nice touch. I was waiting for something to happen with the coffin. And I feel a little bit let down that there was a coffin in there and we didn't spend any time with it, especially given that Gangrel was involved. Like you have a vampire. Shouldn't the vampire come out of the coffin? Like, come on people. But I mean, I can't complain. This was a really entertaining match and you know, there were there were some moments that were downright sinister um, when Matt Hardy was kind of scooting backwards on the ground and Sammy was lumbering towards him, just dragging a sledgehammer. It just was menacing in a way that really worked within the environment that they had created for this match. And um, <laughs> I was shocked that Sammy fit into that tiny garbage can at the end. Yeah, man. (laughs) The thing looked so small. And it made me wonder if there was like some kind of camera trick to it because it did not look like he should have fit into that tiny, tiny garbage can. Yeah, we'll get a deleted scene on Wednesday that shows Matt Hardy chopping him into bits. That's the only way he fits in that trash can like that. But hey, you know, it is what it is. Um yeah, it's just it's just Matt Hardy doing crazy things. Um, Sammy Guevara doing even crazier things. Um, I think this is a, a great time for this the story to end. Maybe for now. Um, and I think this is a, a, a kind of a, a point for Sammy Guevara to do what we what you've been talking about a lot. Him going out on his own, kind of putting the inner circle behind him and 
the results of our next match might play into that a lot more. But yeah, yeah. Why don't we get right into it? Let's let's get into that because I think it ties in nicely here. Uh, the match itself uh, between MJF Man. and Jericho pretty unremarkable until the yep. finish, which finish. was excellent. Mm, um, we got a classic moment. MJF gets the dynamite diamond ring from Wardlow and uh, Aubrey Edwards is distracted by Wardlow. And so he's got the opportunity. He's going to go in and make the hit and Jericho ducks out of the way and Jake Hager tosses him Floyd, the baseball bat and uh, MJF sees his opportunity and just self bumps to the ground and lays himself out a la Eddie Guerrero. Aubrey Edwards turns around creates the distraction mjf gets the roll up one two three amazing finish absolutely loved it uh and i like that they didn't show their hand as to where this is going next we got an embrace in the ring we got chris jericho announcing that mjf and wardlow are now members of the inner circle and we're gonna have to wait until wednesday to get any idea as to where this is going next. Yeah, the, the, the to first point, the ending, absolutely perfect. It, it, it took this one-star match to like a three, four-star match just from the ending because it was so perfect based off of the personalities in this match, based off of, of if you want these guys to be friends, you don't want them beating the shit out of each other or really hurting each other. So to end the match and kind of a Chris Jericho kind of like, I can respect that. I can respect you cheating. Cause that's what Jericho does. Like it, it, it was very oh, perfect. And just the Eddie Guerrero tribute and Jericho being, being such good friends with Eddie when he was alive. Oh, it just worked for him, man. It hit me right in the feels. Great, yeah. great, great moment. So I do want to defend the match a little bit. I wouldn't have called it a one-star match. I think it was a perfectly fine match. It's just hard four hours into a show to have a match that's paced that slow, especially coming off of the frenetic tag team championship match and the insanity that was the elite deletion. So it was a tough come down, and I think the finish really made it work. Uh, But I think, I mean, the match was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. It was well-worked. MJF and Jericho are both very good. So, you know, it just, there wasn't anything special about it. Like, I can't pick out a spot from earlier in the match that I would want to talk about. Uh, But that wasn't the point, you know? The point was to develop this story. So I think mission accomplished. And uh, I'm going to say it. Neither of us have said it yet this episode. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where it goes. I I will say my only real criticism of this sh- the entire event was just mat- match placement. I, I like you said it's hard to get into a Jericho match this late into the card, and when you have this type of slow match bleed into another slowish type match in the main event I quit match, it kind of it felt like the momentum kind of lost itself a bit the further we went into this show. So I, th- I think you could have put this match on a little earlier. Like I think Cassidy silver would have been a perfect match before the main event, get you that energy, get you hyped again, and then boom, go right into the emotional story of the main event. So that's, that's if my only complaint is match placement, you know, the card 
and the pay-per-view really delivered. Well, it's been a fast 40 minutes talking about the first eight matches on this show. It's time to discuss the main event between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley in an I Quit match, which quickly devolved into absolute violence and brutality. Uh, Mike, thumbtacks, barbed wire, yeah. uh, chokeholds with barbed wire, uh, really, really evil shit in this match. And oh, I... Uh, I, for one, feel bad for Renee. Goodness gracious. Oh, yeah, man. Like she she's tweeted out before. This is not fun for me watching watching Moxley put on these hardcore uh, death match styles. Yeah, so tonight um, she tweeted out, can I quit this match? <laughs> uh, Moxley, we're giving you a stock down for scaring the shit out of your wife. Stop it. Um, my other contender for spot of the night, Joel, was in this match. I had two, the, the super crossroads. But the rubbing alcohol onto oh. the thumbtack wounds, I, I'm sure it probably wasn't real. But still, I, mean, I put rubbing alcohol on one. Yeah, these guys are crazy enough to do it. But like, I, I, dude, I used rubbing alcohol about a month ago for a paper, like a little cut on my hand. Dude, that shit hurt like hell. Man, we use freaking um, uh, hand sanitizer all the time now. And you can tell every time you have a little cut and it kills just to have. Oh, my God. That that skeeved me out so much. Um, my biggest takeaway from this match uh, was, God, I just love that they didn't ask him every three seconds. Do you quit? Do you quit? Do you quit? Like having to put the microphone in their face just because like it, 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 I just felt like when those happen in the other wrestling company it just kills the momentum of the match. I love that they kind of just did the match as is and they treated the I quit like a submission. If you hear it, call it. And I thought this match was much was way smoother than I thought it would be because of that. Yeah, and I think there's also the I quit match benefits from having smaller crowds because they didn't have to stick a microphone in the performer's face to get an answer. Mm -hmm. You could hear it on the broadcast when Eddie Kingston finally did say, I quit and they didn't have to, you know, position a microphone strategically for that to be able to get through to the viewing audience. So um, I, I thought this match was for what it was, uh, if it's your kind of match, it was a really good one. This was a very brutal and violent affair. And, you know, props to both performers for what they were willing to put themselves through. Um, it wasn't my favorite match of the night, but I, I thought it was the correct way to put a close on this storyline and kind of move us out of the Eddie Kingston Moxley territory and uh, shut the book on it for now. Uh, maybe we'll get back to it down the road. Maybe they'll work together down the road. Uh, yeah. But for now, I think it's been resolved. And, you know, in the only way it could have with with absolute brutality. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I liked Moxley at the end trying to reach out, help him up. And Kingston being, no, don't don't touch me. Just kind of emphasizes how lost Eddie Kingston truly is. Um, yeah, great stuff. Violent, 
uh, physical. And then we got a little confrontation between the number one contender and John Moxley. And don't know if that match is going to be at revolution or if they're going to do it sooner. Kind of feels like it deserves a pay-per-view uh, match, but I just don't know if they can build this up to late February. So, uh, we will have to see, but Joel, anything else about this match? Um, just, I, I do think we need to take a break from thumbtacks for a while because Ugh. Ugh. diminishing returns a little bit. Like it's, uh, it's pretty great when you haven't seen it in a while and it comes out because it's shocking and it, it kind of, messes with you because you don't expect it but we've seen a lot of thumbtacks in this first year of aew so i'd like for them to kind of back off of that a little bit and not to say that you can't do you know violent stuff but let's mix it up a little bit more so that we're not getting into that territory of you know you see this at every pay-per-view it starts to not feel special so yeah you know what i want to see them using I've seen this Legos. on indie clips. Legos, baby. Yep. Fucking backdrop on a thing of Legos. I'd, I'd rather take the thumbtacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, Joel, uh, I was going to ask you w- one question. What's before we, before we head out, what is your general, how, how are you feeling with AEW moving into the end of 2020 and into 2021? Like if you had to say a state of the company, state of your feelings, how are you feeling? I feel I feel a lot better than I felt after All Out. I'll tell you that for nothing. Um, I think that the singles divisions on the men's side are in good shape. Uh, I think knowing that we are pathing towards Moxley and Omega sets up a good signature feud for their next big show. And then on the TNT championship side of things, you know, there are so, so many potential contenders. Like I'm excited at the prospect of a Darby Allen jungle boy match for the TNT championship. That would be Mm -hmm. fantastic. And there are so many other people you could slot in there. So I think both sides of that are are really well positioned and really well developed where I want to see more attention put is on the women's division, because I think, that's the the area that in this first year of AEW has kind of been neglected the most. And, uh, you know, we need to see more TV time for the women's division and uh, some effort put in to make sure that we care about these matches and these stories and these feuds as much as the performers deserve. So mm-hmm. um, the tag team division obviously is the strength Healthy, of, yeah of aew and so i think that's always going to be reliable um in the same way that like the intercontinental championship in the other wrestling company is kind of the work rate belt the tag team belts in aew i think are the work rate belts so uh i feel good i mean it's it's the first year and i think it's i think it's better than anyone could have expected yeah and I think even without the pandemic, you would say 2020 was a good year for AEW. So the fact that you were able to pull this off with <laughs> COVID-19 disrupting everything. Um, yeah, I, I feel good too. Um, pretty much it locks up with you. 
the the three men's divisions, main the you know heavyweight, TNT tag teams, definitely seem to be in great shape moving forward. A lot of ways they can move the storylines and and build things out. Women's division don't want to harp on it because you just talked about it, but I feel the exact same way. We just need to give them more time to help get uh, challengers to be more credible. We just need credible contenders right now, and that's the biggest thing I think we're we're missing. And to me, uh, I have two big questions of what they're doing going forward. One, do we get the second cable show for AEW? I know that was originally supposed to be around this time, maybe early 2021. So is that show going to come to fruition? And how is that going to work? Is it going to be kind of a just an additional hour every week? Is it going to have its own style, feel, roster, vibe? Questions I want to want to get answered. And then two, where does Cody Rhodes go from here? And I think that's a really big issue because he doesn't have the natural progression of saying, I'm now going to challenge for the world championship because he's not allowed to. So how do they use him? Probably their, their safest bet in terms of a talent, one of their biggest stars. What does he do going forward? Because he needs to, he needs to be on the every pay-per-view. He needs to have a story for AEW to really feel right to me. So that's where I stand. But yeah, thumbs up. Feeling good. Excited to see where it goes. Last quarter of 2020 has been pretty damn good, minus COVID. (laughs) Um, But we got some good news today. Some stuff in our personal lives are doing well. So hopefully we can keep this momentum going into 2021. Joel, anything else? No, I think think that's it. I think we're, we've, covered everything from the show there were some some little story things um kind of setting up some of the matches for this upcoming wednesday show and i like that we're you know one of the things we always used to complain about with the other wrestling company was how often monday night raw would be a repeat of everything that you saw on the pay-per-view um just kind of scaled down and AEW doesn't do that. And I really, really appreciate that. So we know what we're getting on Wednesday. And uh, we'll be back uh, Thursday or Friday with a new episode recapping uh, this upcoming week's Dynamite. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.